Good morning. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. 1 Samuel 20 is our stop today on day 394. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Father in heaven, thank you for all that you're teaching us through your word. Please write it on our hearts. Help us to hear from you and help us to respond to your word with faith and loving obedience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 20. We get more of this relationship between Jonathan and David, as well as this of Saul's pursuit of David. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it. You shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing either great or small without disclosing it to me. And why should my father father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit at table with the king, but let me go that I may hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me to run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. If he says, Good, it will be well with your servant, but if he is angry then know that harm is determined by him. Therefore deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from you. If I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? And David and Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So they both went out into the field. And Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I have sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not send, then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, The Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also, if I do not disclose it to you and send you far away, that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord, that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed, because your seat will be empty. On the third day, go down quickly to the place where you hid yourself when the matter was in hand, and remain beside the stone heap. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will send the boy, saying, Go, find the arrows. 
If I say to the boy, Look, the arrows are on this side of you, take them. Then you are to come, for the Lord lives. As the Lord lives, it is safe for you, and there is no danger. But if I say to the youth, Look, the arrows are beyond you, then go, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter of which you and I have spoken, behold, the Lord is between you and me forever. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. The king sat on his seat, and as at other times, on the seat by the wall. Jonathan sat opposite, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Yet Saul did not eat anything that day, for he thought, something has happened to him. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. But on the second day, the day after the new moon, David's place was empty, and Saul said to Jonathan his son, Was not the son of Jesse? Why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David asked earnestly leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go, for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now, if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason, he has come, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, whether neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, Why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had disgraced him. In the morning, Jonathan went out into the field to the appointment with David and with him a little boy. And he said to his boy, Run and find the arrows that I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place of the arrow that Jonathan had shot, Jonathan called after the boy and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan called after the boy, Hurry, be quick, do not stay. So Jonathan's boy gathered up the arrows and came to his master. But the boy knew nothing. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. And Jonathan gave his weapons to his boy and said to him, Go and carry them into the city. And as soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord shall be between you and me and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Well, we see some wisdom and some cunning, both from David and Jonathan here. It reminds me of something Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out. He said, Go out and be as wise as serpents, but as innocent as doves. 
And this chapter is in many ways a great illustration of what that looks like in action. David and then Jonathan, following David's example, are being wise here. They are avoiding being too close to King Saul. Now, David has been protected from Saul's rage by the Lord, but it still would be foolishness for David to go to this feast and to dine at Saul's table, surrounded by Saul's army, knowing that Saul fully intends to kill him. That would be foolishness. And God does not ever endorse being foolish or foolishly taking our life on our own hands and doing something reckless and dangerous. But Jonathan doesn't believe it. Jonathan doesn't want to believe that David is really in danger and that Saul really intends on, on killing him. And, and we see uh, David's mindset here in verse 3 when he says, But truly as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. David has been on the run already. And this is the beginning of an extended period of time that David is going to spend on the run, hiding from King Saul. Uh, I've got a map here to show you from the ESV Study Bible. And it shows you where all David goes when he's running away from Saul. And, you know, you, you can look at this carefully and follow the numbers uh, 1 through um, 15, I think is the where it ends, but or 16, 1 through 16. He ends up in Gath, goes to Gath twice. First time he's released, second time he actually puts himself into service to the Philistines. But you see he's all over the place. He's at the cave at Adullam, he's at the cave of Engedi, he's over in Moab, um, he's, he's as far down as, as uh, uh, Masada, uh, that area to the south of Engedi, beside the Dead Sea. Uh, he's up to the north. He's just running around. He's doing all this on foot. He's in the forest. He's hiding in the forest. He's hiding in the caves. He's hiding in the desert. He's hiding on the other side of the Dead Sea. And and eventually he goes over and spends an extended period of time in the Philistines, which is really the saddest part of David's life that we'll get to. But see all this moving around he has to do to avoid uh, being in, in Gibeah. Gibeah, where number three is, uh, that's where Saul is. So We've already seen David go up to, to Ramah, um, and he's going he's gonna to go over to Gath pretty soon. So David has to do a lot of running, and he's actually running for a lot of years uh, because of Saul's evil intent. Uh, but first he has to sort of make it clear to Jonathan that this is a, a reality. Jonathan has to see it for himself, because Jonathan's stuck between his best friend and his father. And he respects his father. He is definitely concerned for his father. He's seen his father, you know, acting badly. But but he still loves and is devoted to his father. And he loves and is devoted to his friend. But David comes up with a way here for him to be able to see clearly for himself uh, the way that Saul is disposed to him and also to see clearly uh, for himself in a way that would allow him to communicate to David what the situation is because maybe David's wrong David's also humble enough to say it could be that I'm wrong it could be that this has passed by it could be that that Saul doesn't really desire death for me and and David would like to be in the king's service See, the, the ironic thing is even after all this David would like to be in service to the king um, but he can't be because the king is turned away from the Lord and he's hardened his heart um, and so I, I love this covenant 
that they make in verses 12 to 17. And again, we've talked about this before. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I just think it's a distractor. But unfortunately, some modern people have looked at this and said, see, David and Jonathan had this homosexual relationship because they were even in covenant with one another and they pledged themselves to each other just like husband and wife. Well, honestly, this isn't really that much different from what Ruth and Naomi pledged to each other, is it? I mean, in many ways, Ruth's vow to Naomi was even stronger than this, and that certainly was not anything sexual about that. So we just need to stop allowing our culture to get into to our heads and to turn things into some something sexual when it's not. This is a, a strong love between brothers in the Lord who, who love the Lord and who love one another with this strong uh, male friendship, and they're committed to each other. And I love this repetition of of the steadfast love of the Lord. If I'm still alive, verse 14, show me the steadfast love of the Lord, but do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. Again, this is that word hesed that we see throughout the Psalms especially, but it's that covenantal committed love that's not because we deserve it, but it's because the commitment has been made to love no matter what. And that's, that's this covenantal bond. And that's really where we see Christ in this. Christ has taken us as his younger brothers and sisters, as his friends. He says, I call you friends because a slave doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've revealed to you what I'm doing, and so you are my friends. We are friends of the Lord Jesus. We are his younger brothers and sisters. We are pledged to him in a covenant union, and that love is very, very strong. And so just as David did keep his covenant promise to Jonathan, and Jonathan kept it to David, Jesus even more so keeps his covenant promise to be faithful to us, and we can trust him. How are we supposed to live? Well, we should seek these kinds of friendships where we're committed to one another for one another's good, where we're praying for each other, where we're, we're committed to doing good to each other, we're watching each other's back. We, we need these kinds of friendships. In our culture today, this kind of friendship is rare, but it's something that the church should be modeling for the world what good, healthy, strong, spiritual friendships look like. So I pray that we can do more and more of that at Forest Hill together, that God would knit our hearts together as a community where we love each other well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for David and Jonathan. Thank you for this chapter and for what we can learn from it. We thank you that you're always protecting us. We thank you that you have made a covenant commitment to us that you will not break. Help us, Father, to be covenantally committed to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, to love each other well, to build each other up in the faith, to serve you and to serve one another faithfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 1 Samuel 20. Tomorrow, Mike's going to be back for Mark chapter 8. I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too. And as always, I hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.